guys, this is Aisha Shelton, and today it'll be the Marriage and Real Estate Takeover. So as you can see, I don't have anybody next to me. Kevin is resting, and rest is good for Kevin in days like this. Um, in 2022, should I call years? Whatever. In 2022, we plan to bring on more couples to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. We, You've heard a lot about our story. You've heard a lot about what it is that Kevin and Aisha have done, will do, plan to do. And we feel like that other couples in real estate stories will resonate with you all too. But today I get to take over the podcast. Um, one of the aims of this year when we're bringing on other couples is going to be to find out their real estate story. How did they get started in real estate, their love story? How did they come together and how they work together in real estate? So last week we met the Millers and they were at the beginning of their real estate journey being a newly licensed agent, um, the wife, and then the husband looking for ways that he can be introduced in to real estate as well. So there will be a plethora and range of people in their journeys. And I'm super excited to bring that to you guys in this year. But today for the marriage and real estate takeover, you get just me. Um, and I'd like to tell everybody a little bit about my real estate story, how I got started, um, where the inspiration came from, where I am now and where I plan to go. And hopefully I'll look back on this episode and see how much growth there has been um, from what I think I want to do and where I actually end up. So let's see, where should we start? Little girl, Galveston. Okay. So born and raised in Galveston Island. So uh, very close to Houston. And uh, I, I don't know, I feel like I had a normal middle class upbringing. Two parents divorced, but still two parents, both college educated. And I think the only message that I received about school was or about success was go to school, like most of us, go to school, get a job, get a good job retire and that's what life looks like and it wasn't until I graduated college that I realized I wanted something different right so I went to graduated high school went to college at the University of Houston with a degree in corporate communications under the guise that I would be a lawyer and go to law school because I heard lawyers make a lot of money okay then I grew up and not that lawyers don't make a lot of money but um I graduated with that degree to go to law school, but I ended up my postgraduate job, job, like a real job, not a work study job, was working at a bank in West University. So West University is one of the is a small city in the middle of Houston, but it is its own independent entity and has been deemed one of the wealthiest cities um, in Texas. And I want to say in the United States, I could be totally making that up. So anyway, there's a lot of wealthy people that live in this little city inside of the city of Houston. So it was at that bank that my knowledge about wealth building uh, finances and how people with a lot of money actually function and live their lives. It was where I was intrigued. It was where I was educated. It was where my interest was peaked that caused me to look into more like, so what is this like? And I'll give y'all just a few examples. So I was a personal banker, which meant that I opened accounts for people, uh, self-employed IRA accounts. I 
took deposits, I sold banking products, banks, checking accounts, saving accounts, that kind of stuff. Um, some of the cool things that I came across was I remember a couple coming in, an older couple, and it was right before the tax deadline. And so the husband and wife came and sat down and he wrote out a check for a couple of thousand dollars. And he explained that the check was a contribution to his wife's IRA. So his wife was a stay at home kind of mom and he was making the max contribution right before the tax deadline so that he can um, write that off on his taxes. Okay. I'm like, okay, tax, tax planning, tax strategy. Noted. I'll read a book about that. Um, there was a couple who got married recently. So the recently married couple and they came in and opened a checking account together, their first checking account together, and with cash and checks made an initial deposit of $97,000. I remembered the amount, right? So this was their family sewing into them financially. Um, one of the uncles also had given them a check for $80,000 towards a down payment on a house. Um, and like, what? Okay. So we don't see that in our community. And I was just like, man, so this is how people set their families up for success. Um, one last story. Okay. So there was a stay at home mom and she would come into the bank with her two kids. They were seven and nine, seven and nine year old. And once a month they would come and they would sit at my desk, the three of them, and they would have their money. So each one of the kids would have the money that they earned from the allowance. And she would make them sit down and pencil out 10% to give, 10% to save. And then they had a stretch goal. So what the mom explained to me was they had something that they wanted to purchase, whatever it was, a toy or something. They just didn't automatically get it. They had to work and earn it. The parents would pay half, but they would also have to save for half. Like, can you imagine what kind of things you learn as a young person when that's something that you have to do, right? So every month they come to my desk and they divvy up their money. They'd have money that they can spend, money that they can save, and money that they gave, you know, their 10% to give. So the kinds of habits that you create in young people at such a young age was just something that, again, blew my mind. I know I said this was the last story, but one last story. New baby. And they asked for, in lieu of gifts, the parents asked for, in lieu of gifts, for their one-year-old or two-year-old, if they can make a donation to the kids' college fund. It was really just a savings account, but the intention was for it to be for their college fund. So anyway, they made, um, I, I remember numbers because I just remember numbers, but they made like a $6,000 deposit from this kid's birthday towards their college fund. And I was like, man, one day when I have a kid, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna ask people to donate to my kid's college fund instead of giving me toys or gift cards or clothes, just stuff that we won't use, right? So I feel like that's where my financial acumen and certainly my peaked interest for how to build wealth, grow wealth, be wealthy came from. So that's my foundation of wealth building knowledge and the pursuit thereof. So I worked at that bank and that was life changing. I bought my first house at 24, 24 years old, 2008. It was the 2008 housing market crisis. So they were literally giving houses away. When, when I think about the situation, it's unreal and I am like super blessed. So 
here's a girl at by this time I worked at a childcare center, okay, at a daycare. I realized that my passion was for kids and I didn't want to work in sales, which I felt like banking was. And I worked at a childcare center. So here I am at a daycare and I make like $30,000, $32,000. Um, well, because I made less than the Basically, I didn't make very much money because I didn't make very much money. I qualified for the city of Houston down payment assistance. Right. I was at the top of the threshold being a single person and making 30 something thousand dollars. And typically I would get the minimum amount for down payment assistance, which was like three thousand dollars. Well, this year, because of the housing crisis, the president at the time would get had given money to the city and the city decided to use the funds that they had gotten from this housing crisis to put into their affordable housing program. So this year, everybody who qualified for this funding got the max amount, which was $19,500. So if that's not good enough, I got 19,500 down payment assistance from the city of Houston. The housing market is down and so houses are dirt cheap. So I built a three bedroom, two bathroom house from the ground up at 24 for $94,000. Okay, so you got $94,000, you take $20,000 off of that, still a very little bit of money. So my mortgage for a new construction, three bedroom, two bathroom house for a single 24 year old woman was $750, okay, $750. On top of that, when you bought a house that previous year, they gave you $8,000 housing credit as an incentive for purchasing a house. So basically, I got $28,000 for buying a $94,000 house in 2008, brand new, nobody lived in. I got to pick selections, flooring and countertops and all that other kind of stuff. So unreal, unbelievable. I knew that that would be my first rental property, right? So I lived in this house. I was 24 years old. I was single and I had no kids. And so in my mind, I had created that this will be my first rental property. Like, literally nobody can live here. If I get married, he's definitely going to have to upgrade me. Like, this house is too small. It's too basic. It's not me. And so I didn't know how, when, what, but I read books and I just acquired knowledge on real estate and real estate investing. Clearly, I didn't have very much money, but also clearly... I'm extremely blessed. So I just knew that it would be a thing. So this $750 mortgage is what I kept for very many years. And as my income increased, my expenses didn't. And I had this super cheap ass mortgage, which is dope. Well, fast forward a few years and, you know, a bad relationship or two in the middle of that. I meet my husband, Kevin, who is absolutely amazing. If I do say so myself. Um, and the the magic between Kevin and I, um, and every time I think about it, I'm just in awe and grateful about our union because the magic between Kevin and I is that I had the knowledge, right? I read all the books. I knew all of the things about real estate investing. Um, I knew all of the things about using private money or other people's money to get into real estate investing. Like you always used to hear those infomercials about you can get into real estate with no money down and no money out of your pocket. I, I read all those books. I went to those seminars. Now, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the know-how. And I certainly didn't have the skill. But I had all the information. Well, in walks Kevin into my life. And the one thing 
I love about him is that we had very similar alignment on what we wanted our life to look like, um, what, how we wanted to raise children. So we clearly were a good match. Not only is he tall, dark, and handsome, he's also super smart. And he just had this thing that I'd never seen in a grown man before. And you know what that thing was? He could work with his hands. And not that there aren't men out here that can work with their hands, but Kevin could do anything. He could paint a house. He could change a light bulb. He could change a doorknob. He could change a tire. He could put oil in a car. He just did things that what in your mind you would think traditional men do, but in the 2000s, okay, I can't say cuss words. Men just don't do that anymore. Like they get manicures and stuff. And not that my husband is not very clean cut, but they were more worried about the vanity of themselves in my experience and not every man. So please don't put people in a box. I'm not putting anybody in a box, but they were more worried about the vanity of themselves than they were about just being capable, this very capable man, the traditional man. And that's what Kevin was. So y'all hear Kevin tell his story all the time. He's been in construction for, I don't know how many years. Um, he, has built houses before, he's renovated houses before, but he never thought that that was something that he can do. That's how he tells a story. He was like, I did it, but I never thought about one, I never thought about doing it for myself in this fashion. And also I just didn't think it was outside, inside of my wheelhouse. And I know for us, a lot of African-Americans feel like we can't buy a house. And as a real estate agent, I love enlightening people about all of the different ways that you can qualify for a house. As a podcaster and an investor, I love sharing with other couples how you can get into real estate, all of the many ways that you can get into real estate and make money, and that's why we have this platform. Well, anyway, you take Aisha with the book knowledge and Kevin with the acumen and the know-how, and you get this amazing K&A, Kevin and Aisha magic that you guys see here today. And so we put our heads together. I'm the ideation, he's the execution, and we just did the damn thing. So together you got, you have what you have and what you have is this, right? So Kevin and I flipped our first property using other people's money. We moved out of, we lived together in my house with a $700 mortgage because why not $700 when rent was like, $1,400, $1,200 to rent an apartment here. You could have a whole three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. So we got married, and we moved out of the house, and we got a tenant in that home at $1,400 a month. Now, I think the first time it was $1,200. Now our tenant pays like $1,450, but a $1,200 tenant. So the cash flow numbers are just ridiculous. You don't get that anymore. Um, honestly, when you are evaluating an investment property, typically people are looking at their cash flow and saying like, oh, you know, I make 100 or $200 a month on this property in cash flow. And the goal is to get more doors. So get more rental properties so that you can have this great deal of cash flow. Or here we are with this one single property that cash flowed six, $700 a month. Right. Um, real estate just goes up and what happens is we just get more money and more cash flow. So a seven hundred dollars something mortgage now netting seven hundred something dollars in cash flow is just like absolutely amazing 
for one rental property. Um, and then we bought a house, obviously our primary residence where we're raising our family and we've done a ton of other things since then. Um, so I like to think that I had all of this like black girl magic before I met Kevin and we joke all the time and I really don't think it's a joke. I feel like most of my life I've been favored. So the story about the house and the $20,000 and $8,000 and like the perfect time of buying a house and all of these things falling in my favor, I have so many stories like that in my life. So when you go to church, they say like, favor is not fair. I really feel like favor is not fair. Like God is super good to me, right? Um, I feel like Kevin has favor, right? When you listen to the Kevin stories and the opportunities that he's had and the things that he's done, he's got favor. So when God puts two like super favorite people together it's like this cosmic shift i don't know that's just my two cents and that's how i feel about it and it's been super duper mind-blowing in my opinion so fast forward to we have this one rental property we own a house we did a bunch of stuff in between that right so kevin and i had airbnbs we acquired more rental properties we did flips for a period of time which Ugh, don't ask me about flips. Don't ever ask me about flips. Just, I have so many stories to tell. They are not my favorite stories. But the one thing I can say is that Kevin puts his hand on any property and makes it into the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So um, definitely on the aesthetic front, everybody thinks that they want to flip and be a flipper. And aesthetically, specifically when I'm talking about Kevin, you come out with a, a beautiful product. I mean, everybody that purchases a home that Kevin has put his hands on are extremely excited about it and impressed. Um, but it's more to flipping than just, you know, the fun. I get to choose tile and look at this beautiful product that I made and look at this Instagram video and I made, the, you know, this house, right? Um, there's a lot more to it than that. And so we learned some extremely valuable lessons while we were flipping, which is why we pivoted to new construction, which has been a life changer for us. That's where I, we have Park Street Homes and we build speculative residential homes in the south side of Houston and we are expanding all the time. So um yeah i mean that's my real estate story i don't think that's the end so i did some things i met this man he was pretty amazing we did some pretty amazing things together and now here we are with our park street homes and the aisha shelton team so like i said we did everything underneath the sun we tried wholesaling we did airbnb for about two years rental properties renovations what else did we do education, right? So we used to host events for people who were interested in real estate, who were interested in real estate investing, where we would share what we know about it. I mean, we did the whole gambit. And probably the biggest thing that we learned through all of the things that we did is that when you are a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. And so we really streamlined our businesses to say, what is it that we do and who are we? So obviously we're podcasters here with you guys on the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. And we build new construction homes and we sell real estate with the Aisha Shelton team. So that is the Aisha Shelton takeover. Um, I really, really, really am excited to talk to all of the couples that we have coming up in the next few episodes about their real estate journey. But I also feel like it was super important for me to take some time to share my Aisha, the Aisha story. 
everybody on the podcast hears a lot about the Kevin and Aisha, this dynamic duo story, but what is it about me? What is it that brought me to the place that I am today? And it's certainly, I'd like to say, is a little bit of favor and a lot of bit of the partner that I chose and the partner that God had saw fit for me. And so it is my hope that all of you are inspired by what you can do, that it doesn't take a lot of money to get into real estate. It does take a lot of grit. It does take a lot of uh, knowledge, but you have to launch. You have to, you have to do something. There's also this thing where you read so many books that you never do anything. And then there's that thing where you just jump in and do stuff too soon and you don't quite have all of the knowledge. So it's a lot of the balance of both. Hopefully you are a part of this audience and you are married or soon to be married or want to be married and you marry that right person that you have the spark with. Um, as the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast, we want there to be all kinds of sparks, right? Sparks in your intimacy, sparks in your family, um, but that spark in your passion for real estate, your spark in that passion to build wealth with a family and create a legacy. And that's what Kevin and I are doing through Marriage and Real Estate, but that's also what we're doing through the companies that we own as well. So stay tuned for more of Marriage and Real Estate. Hopefully we won't have to do this takeover again because I really like having my partner here. I really like bantering back and forth with Kevin. And I also have enjoyed these last couple of episodes where we've had other couples that have been on the podcast with us as well. So stay tuned for what we have coming up for you in the new year. We have big plans for marriage and real estate. I still have dreams of a marriage and real estate retreat. Still have dreams of marriage and real estate pop-up dinners and so much more. So thanks again for listening to the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. This is Aisha signing out.